from 1011 Now and the 1011 Studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is the N Report Podcast. Hello and welcome to the N Report Podcast. I'm Kevin Suits. We needed a guest today and we've got a great one for you sitting right next to me. Perhaps the best story on Nebraska's campus here this winter season is the wrestling team. The Huskers, at one point this year, ranked number two in the nation. They closed the regular season by winning six consecutive duels. We have the man in charge of the program, Mark Manning, joining us on the In Report podcast. Mark, thanks for taking some time out of your very busy schedule between all the duels you coach, the recruiting you do, your training Olympians. Somehow you carve out some time to sit and flap your gums with me. Yeah, it's great. Great to have us here, Kevin. Thank you. Well, are you guys the best story on Nebraska's campus right now? I would say yes. Oh, man, I don't think in those terms. I just think that uh, we have we have some great uh, guys on our team and we have great culture going on and uh, our wrestling team is just trying to do their part and, and represent the end. I love it. We're talking wrestling here at the end <laughs> of February. Uh, the regular season is done. Up next is the Big Ten Championships, and right after that, it's the NCAAs. We'll talk about those events here in a few minutes. Um, what's made this season so successful for you guys? It's really been a magical run. And, Mark, you've yeah. had some great teams over your two-decade yeah. uh, head coaching career at Nebraska. Yeah, you know, it's it's just every team's different. You know, Kevin, it's um, – this team's very unique. We have three freshmen um, that are that are all different, very competitive guys. You know, Alex Thompson, Ridge Lovett, Peyton Robb. But uh, then, you know, just our upperclassmen, you know, guys like Taylor Vince and C.J. Red, Isaiah White, Eric Schultz. Those guys are leaders. And um, Mikey Labarola, returning All-American. Just we have a great combination of um, and uh, t- talent, but – the spirit they carry within themselves and uh they just they're they're competitors and they're they're fun to be around and they they love to compete i want to roll up our sleeves on some of the names you just mentioned in a few minutes but first i want to take you back to the start of preseason practice did you know that this team would be this good yeah i i knew that this team could be special good job recruiting then yeah (laughs) (laughs) we chose correctly yes exactly we uh we uh, we we knew we had guys that that had the it factor type thing, and then it's just, you know, getting them confident and getting them ready to go to compete on this level. And you know, the Big Ten Conference is the toughest wrestling top conference, and about in every sport, but in wrestling, it's very competitive. And so, you know, a guy can take a loss here or there, and they're not used to taking losses coming out of high school, and um, so it's. Um, you know, it's just managing their confidence and managing their development and uh, and then just keep them rolling. On the note about the Big Ten, you say how tough it is, Mark. Yeah. Ten conference teams are in the top 25 in the coaches' poll. We know about Iowa. Mm-hmm. We know about Penn State. Yep. Throw yourself in the mix. Like, this yeah. is a rigorous league. Yeah, it's it's a tough league. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's, um, it's a challenge each and every time out. And so you have to be ready to go, and that's – that's only going to help us when it when it comes to postseason. Right now, we know that we're we're going to be prepared. We got to wrestle, you know, a lot of the same guys here coming up in two weeks. But for the NCAA tournament, that's going to be it's going to be nice to wrestle other people. And <laughs> but uh, but also, you know, the top guys are going to be in front of your goals. You know, you got to knock those barriers down and 
and it's some great challenges, and it's going to be fun. That's what makes it really exciting. Absolutely. When you were naming some of the names on your roster, you mentioned C.J. Red. Mm-hmm. I think that every time that I'm either watching in person or on TV, <laughs> C.J. Red is on the mat, and he wins by pin. Yeah. I know that's not always the result, but he right. ha- he wrestles with so much swagger, and he's very aggressive, isn't yes. he? Yes, he did. He is. He's uh, like you mentioned, Kevin. He's he's really dangerous. Uh, he's a great guy to have on your team because because having a pen is big points, big team points, uh, whether it's in a tournament or a dual meet, and um, and he's uh, he's just got a knack for it. You know, some guys just have a knack for for. Um, you know, not only locking a pen hold up, but then getting a pen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, it's not easy. And so, CJ makes it look easy sometimes. Uh, like Friday night, he he had actually never beat the Minnesota guy and gets a pen and uh, did it in grand grand fashion at their place. Yeah, and it was absolutely. their senior night too. That had to be really exciting for CJ. Yeah, and and that guy Mitch McKee is uh you know couple time All American. He's a senior, and uh, you know that's. That's not a way you want to go out as a senior, obviously. And so CJ is—he's uh, just a tough out man. He's exciting, and I think a lot of our guys feed off him along with other guys. So it's—it's it's great to have guys that are really confident and just they can perform in big moments. Eric Schultz. Oh man. What do you want to tell me about him? He's, he's had a very quietly successful year, if that makes any sense. You look yeah. at the record and the ranking, and you're like, I didn't know that. He's been so consistent, yet he maybe doesn't receive the headlines of some of his teammates. Yeah, Eric uh, Schultz, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of a quiet leader anyway until you're wrestling with him or you know, your wor- his workout partner. He's, he goes a million miles an hour. He goes with, uh, he's got a feverish pace to him, and he's, he wrestles with a lot of intensity and emotion. And Schultz, he's just uh, he's, he's great. He's just uh, another element to our team that makes it so unique and fun and isaiah isaiah white man he had the big moment of the entire (laughs) season did he not he he did and it was dramatic you know hurting his ankle or in the first period uh you know you 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 thought he was gonna have to have you know his leg amputated there and then all of a sudden he comes back and gets a pin at the end of the duel for us to win and uh you know those are uh, you know herb brooks said right great great moments great Great opportunities. Right. Isaiah's pen came on Super Bowl Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday, yep. Well, forget the Super Bowl. That was the highlight of the day, was it not? <laughs> it Sending was Devaney into a frenzy? <laughs> great highlight for Nebraska wrestling, for sure. Absolutely. Is your voice always strained at the end of these duels? I've always wondered that because, you know, compared to other coaches in other sports, I don't think they're as vocal as wrestling coaches. Mm. Yeah, I think... Uh, you, got a, you got a stash of lozenges that you have to suck on the next yeah. week? Sometimes more than others, some, uh, sometimes more matches, uh, you know, play into, you know, how much we're screaming and yelling and, and getting our guys going. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's brutal on the throat. <laughs> this isn't a negative thing. Some people no. might be like, oh, he's a screamer. No, that's the sport. Yeah. Because you're trying to coach your wrestler through what you see in terms of a hold or an escape or whatever, yeah. you know, the body position may be, correct? Yeah, and, it, you know, it's just it's, – it's, it happens quick. And so you got to be able to communicate things and, and uh, for them to be able to compartmentalize it and just get it. It's, it's just a couple seconds where you have time to communicate. Do you guys practice that? Like yeah. the wrestler receiving your message and then then them implementing it as quick as possible. Because I, I would imagine that's a big part of 
the strategy is being able to receive the coaching and go immediately so he can really do the things you see. Yeah, a little bit. We do that at practice, and, um, you know, it's just having guys react, but then you have to react in the moment, you know, and, and uh, you know, guys are, are uh, making adjustments on the fly. So you guys got to be, you know, they have to be, they have their mind free and, and uh, ready to receive information and be able to make corrections. You've got a great coaching staff working with you at Nebraska, yeah. too. Can you talk about the guys that are alongside you, some of them, uh, guys that you coached, and that are now helping you from the bench. Yeah, it is very unique this year. We have, you know, Brian Schneider's been with me, you know, associate head coach for me for the last 10 years, and he's he just means a whole lot. He was a four-time All-American. He was a four-time Big 12 champ. And then, you know, Robert Kokish and Tyler Berger are just fantastic. Great with the guys. You know, they all wrestled at Nebraska, all very successful wrestlers. So there's just a sense of pride they take and coaching these guys and the pride that how they talk about the program and what it means to them and not really translate well to our guys on our team. You know, we've talked to John Cook on a number of occasions, the Nebraska volleyball coach, and he's always said how special it is to hire an alum on his staff. He always likes to have one Husker serving with him. Yeah. You've got three. Do you kind yeah. of take the same attitude that there's just something really special about making that phone call and then getting that paper signed that they're going to be uh, coaching with you? Yeah, most definitely. I think uh, especially here at Nebraska, you, they know um, and you know guys like uh, Tyler Berger who wrestled here. He's from Oregon. Robert's from South Dakota. Brian is from Pennsylvania. All different. It's pretty much how the makeup of our team is you know we have guys from all over the country and uh all of them bring different perspectives and um but they all you know understand what the program and what nebraska means to them and they have a lot of pride in that and it really uh they relate well to the kids that says something about the university right there too that those are all three guys from different parts of the country (laughs) Yet those four years of being on campus and being in your program left such a huge impression that they wanted to continue their lives here in Lincoln. Yeah, it's uh, it's really great. You know, I think uh, we've just had a great culture. We have just great, uh, just a great element of what they learn when they're in their, our program. And it's it's not only about winning and losing. It's about doing things the right way and. And then, you know, the, our academic center and all the people that are in our athletic department are, are really, they, they have the heart for Nebraska. And so uh, they really feel that. I think, you know, guys like Brian and Tyler and Robert and then our guys feel that and it's um, really emphasized and I think it's a great thing. We're chatting with Nebraska head wrestling coach Mark Manning. The team's so successful this season. Up ahead is the Big Ten Championships. You can expect the Huskers are going to contend. They're one of the best teams, not just in the conference, but nationally. Let's talk about that event real quick, Mark. There's a site change for this year. Where's the Big Ten going to be at this uh, in 2020? It's in Rutgers at the rack, and it's, uh, you know, it's um, – I don't know why we didn't get it before Rutgers, but they do a rotation, and, and uh, Rutgers got it this year, and – it's it's uh you know it's gonna be packed you know because they see sold out correct sold out yeah it was sold out since last spring I guess and uh, nine thousand seats a lot of people are trying to get tickets to go to the Big Ten because mm-hmm. it's almost like a mini NCAA tournament and so 
a lot of the best wrestlers in the country are in the Big Ten. And so it's just it's going to be a fantastic tournament. And uh, it's fun. People love it. And uh, But it's a hard ticket to get. Yeah. Well, you were in that vein, Mark, you were telling me, too, about the uptick when we were chatting before recording the podcast here about the popularity of wrestling and how it is so much on the rise. And you had mentioned that if you look at the television ratings, which are a great reflector of interest. Yes. There's football number one, and that's no surprise to anybody. Men's basketball is number two and number three in terms of viewership within the conference. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case nationally yeah. if you took out all conferences and you did the same uh, crunch of numbers. Yeah. Wrestling's number three. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that one bit. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I believe a week ago we wrestled Michigan on a Friday night, and then they had a doubleheader. I think Iowa wrestled Penn State, and then another Ohio State wrestled someone, and then Sunday they had another double. They had five duels in one weekend. I heard the viewership was off the charts, and you know, you know, people are into it. They're mm-hmm. they're into it, you know, and it's very evident. And the NCA want, wanted to move it to Minnesota, you know, at uh, the dome. It's <laughs> the where Vikings. the Vikings play, yeah. Yeah, where the Vikings and and uh, so you know they're expecting forty plus thousand people, and it's going to be much different than being in a. 18, 20,000 seat arena for three days. It's going to be uh, different, but also fun and good for our sport. Getting back to the Big Ten and the viewership numbers, how much of the, the growth of the sport in terms of television and the ratings that reflect the interest, how much of that is it just being more visible by the number of duels being broadcast on BTN and ESPN and down the line? Or is it just simply a deep interest in the sport of wrestling as it continues to grow. You know what? I think it's, uh, you know, I don't know why the popularity is just the last maybe, you know, four or five years have really jumped off the charts, Um, especially Big Ten. I think, you know, there's a lot of good wrestlers and a lot of exciting wrestlers been coming out of our conference. You know, not that long ago when we were in the Big 12, we thought the Big 12 was probably better than the Big Ten. But now just the transformation of the conference and different schools in that in the Big Ten conference now and Penn State being, you know, when Cale Sanderson left, you know, 10 years ago and went to Penn State, uh, the transformation of of our sport is just evolving. And really, um, people love love to see those athletes go at it. Mm -hmm. And there's just a lot of excitement in our sport. So SEC football equals Big Ten wrestling. Fair comparison? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's probably I right. Mean, oh, yeah. If you look at the rankings, you look at where a national champion may come from, yeah. I think this is about the best analogy we can come up with. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not going to have anyone sneak in there, uh, you know, in the, in the Big Ten wrestling, you know, all of a sudden win a national title from another conference right now. Right. You mentioned the national championships. They're moving to Minnesota this year, typically held in St. Louis. And I know yeah. that that is such a neat event. And the NCAA really does it well. I, I would assume that they treat you very well. The light yeah. show that they do. And the, it, oh. it's, it's a big production yep. done well. And it means a lot to the guys who qualify. Yeah. What do you think it's going to be like up in Minnesota this year? Oh, man, I, I can't. I can't really imagine it's it's 
it's going to be the stadium's so much bigger than we're used to. It's hosted and, uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah, and 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 the they had the whole, they hosted the Final Four last mm-hmm. year there, and so um, it's it's going to be really fun. I think people are. I know our guys are really excited. You know, last weekend when we were at Minnesota, we drove by the stadium a couple times. Our guys were talking about it. That's really what's about. You know, our guys saying, "Man, I can't wait to get in there and." And, uh, you know, being able to wrestle, you know, Saturday night, um, you know, on the big stage, mm-hmm. being in the finals will be really special if we can get some guys there. If you had to guess right now, I'm not going to hold you to this. How many of your wrestlers do you think you will qualify for nationals? Well, I think right now, the way we sit right now, we have nine out of the 10 weight classes qualified. So, you know, getting Alex Thompson at 125, he's not quite qualified right now, but but he can win a qualifying spot. I think he'll have to place in the top eight in his weight class, which doesn't sound that tough, but it's really tough uh, because, you know, there's some weight classes where they're taking 10 from our our, uh, conference. And so, you know, it's it's, – Alex's got to be ready to go, and he will be. And I think, uh, you know – you know, we we can we can take ten. It's it's big. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. We're hoping for that to be the case for the Nebraska wrestling program. Chatting with Mark Manning here on the In Report podcast, late February edition. As we look ahead into March and uh, the postseason for wrestling, super uh, fun time for that. Mark, I know this is a visual or uh, an audio medium. On television, we like the video. We can't see you on podcast. Typically, yeah. when we do see you, you got on game day the vest. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you know I had to ask about this. <laughs> and your marketing department has even had some fun with this. Yeah. With a couple of promotions where you could come in and get a free Mark Manning vest. When did that start? And how did it start? Are you a vest guy? Well, You're wearing I, a quarter zip, uh, yeah. you know, slick Adidas <laughs> thing today. I didn't get the vest. No, I don't get the vest most days, but... It's not a I, casual everyday uh, No, thing. not really. I uh, I started wearing a vest when I, I got the head coaching job at Northern Iowa. I actually have, you know, I used to have a couple purple ones and uh, black ones, you know, from from the my, my days being a Panther. But uh, <laughs> I started wearing the sweater vest back then a little bit. Why? Uh, I just thought, you know what? I remember going to a football game. Northern Iowa was playing Jim Trestle. And Youngstown came, yes. the Penguins came into the Dome, and he was wearing a, a vest, and I thought, dang. And a tie, he wore his wear tie. And a so I started doing that, too. And so people were asking me, oh, you're Jim Trussell. I said, well, no, he actually got it from me. But <laughs> but uh, I remember he always used to wear it, right, right. tie. and Absolutely. I, sometimes I don't always wear the tie, but anyway. Is it yeah. always the same one? No, I, I have different ones. Black ones, red ones. Black ones, red ones. Ones without the, you know, all the, the instead of the wrestling underneath, just the end. And yeah, oh yeah. And People once always, you always uh, rib me about, you know, how many vests do you have? Manning, you've got about 10, 12 vests at home. And oh yeah, it's, it's funny. How many do you have? I don't know. Right 10 now, to 12? I think my mind. No, no, I have about six or seven right now. <laughs> I, I need to I need to do a little spring cleaning. <laughs> Your dry cleaner's got to be awfully happy then. If you only got a couple and you got to keep them rotated in. See, once you start with something like that, whether it's a sweater vest or you're wearing a tie on game day, I always think this about coaches. 
they're mostly superstitious, correct? Yeah. Or yeah. they're just creatures of habit. Yeah. Once you start, for sure. you cannot change. So yeah. when you wore that sweater vest for the first time at Northern Iowa, <laughs> did you think that, oh, my goodness, this is my thing? I'm going to have to do it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't always wear it, I, uh, but especially in tournaments because it, it, it gets hot, it gets hot you know, it's, or I get hot anyway. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I just enjoy it. It doesn't bother me. That's fine. That's interesting <laughs> that you mention it, that you're, you're willingly putting something on that's going to make you hot. It's like Doc Sadler. When we've talked to him about <laughs> basketball coaches, you know where this is going. Doc has even just jokingly said, how ridiculous is it for a basketball coach to wear a suit jacket? Mm -hmm. Because you're up and down the sidelines. It's an intense job. You're yelling at the officials. You're coaching your team. Like, these dudes are sweating. Why are they wearing a suit coat? Yeah, Auburn coach. That's what I think about when you mention that, yeah. you know. Uh, he get, he soaks through his jacket and his shirt and uh, – uh, that doesn't look, that's not a good look. No. I, I don't do that with the sweater vest, so. <laughs> <laughs> when you're done with the duels, the first thing you do is just kind of like freshen up a little bit and let your body breathe a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm usually okay. All right, well, we got to talk about Jordan Burroughs, of course. Yeah. Um, what a special individual he is. You not only have coached him at Nebraska and his historic career with the Cornhuskers, but then after that, when he started training for the Olympics, you were the guy right there in his corner, training yeah. him. You've gone to the Olympics with him. Yeah. You've seen his international success, and he continues yeah. to train for Tokyo in your gym. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, you know this this is probably his last year of competition, and and uh, you know he's made that public, and um, you know he's got the Olympic trials coming up April fourth and fifth in in uh, State College, Pennsylvania. You know it's big. It's big in our sport. There's only one guy represents each weight class. So he's got, you know, James Green, who also trains here. So there's only six weight classes represented the Olympic year and every world championship year, uh, non-Olympic year, there's 10. So there's only six weights. So that's why James is in the same weight as Jordan. And then there's some other superstar guys at the weight class mm -hmm. And, you know, two-time world champion Kyle Dake, who was a four-time NCAA champ himself, he's at Jordan's weight. So there's some good competition just to make the Olympic team. And so only one guy makes it that weekend, and then, boom, off to Tokyo. Is it fair to say he may have more of a challenge to make the Olympic team than to win gold at the Olympics? Uh, probably just as challenging. Yeah. Yeah, probably just as challenging. Now, I've yeah. seen him wrestle Dake before. And yeah. those, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, if you want to see extreme competition where every move matters, yeah. watch Burroughs versus Dake. Yeah, for sure. Kyle Dake's a really good competitor. He's a really good athlete. And, um, you know, Jordan's just been training for for that and um, getting ready to go. He wrestles in uh, Pan Am games in a couple weeks. And mm -hmm. so getting him prepared for that, and um, then off we go on April. Refresh our listeners' memory for those who uh, haven't followed Jordan's international career. He's gone to the Olympics twice. Yes. I know the most recent trip did not go the way that he had wanted. Yeah. So he's been a four-time world champion in 2011. He was a world champion, 2012 Olympic champion, 2013, 2014 world champion, or 2014, I'm sorry, bronze medal. 2015, he won the world championships. 2016, he didn't medal at the Olympics. 2017, he won the world championship. And then 2018 and 2019, 
he's got a bronze medal at the World Championships. Mm-hmm. So both lost both times to the Russian, really tight matches. Very, I mean, could have went either way. So Jordan's right there, you know. It's, uh, but he could go really go down as the best wrestler ever. And so he's really, he's really been training well, and he's in a great place mentally, and he's probably at his all-time best. Best wrestler ever. That's not at Nebraska. Yeah, that that's is worldwide. all time worldwide. Yeah. This dude is a freak. Yes. And you watch him train every single day. What what is it about him that makes him so good? He's just got that inner confidence within himself that he really believes in himself. He's just he's an extremely hard worker. You know, he he really pays attention to the details. He He's just a champion in life as far as how his mindset is. Um, he's just organized as, as far as what he's eating, how he trains, his lifting routine. He's very consistent. He's just consistent. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't take many days off. He's just very consistent at what he does, and he's dialed in on his craft, and he wants to go out with a bang. He has, like, what? Two percent body fat. <laughs> like he, th- this dude is ripped. Yeah, he like, is unbelievably muscular. And I remember, I believe it was after one of his matches at Final X, mm-hmm. where he won, and we were doing an interview off to the side, and he said, you know, we were asking just the euphoria, the the satisfaction of winning the championship there at Final X, and he goes, I'm just looking forward to breakfast tomorrow. Yeah, I'm gonna go eat some pancakes. Yeah, like for some of us, pancakes are an everyday breakfast item. For yeah. Jordan, it was a it was like giving him a birthday cake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he, uh, he's, uh, he's got to make a weight this weekend. So we're doing a little simulation and getting him ready for the Pan Ams. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, making a certain weight, is, it's, not, it's not easy. He, he's like anyone. He loves sweets and he loves to, loves to have, you know, yeah, pancakes, the whole night. But he yards. has such ridiculous discipline compared to yeah. the rest of us. <laughs> He he does. He he's uh he's human at times, but uh yeah, he's doing a really good job right now with it and he understands, you know, his you know, he's only a few months away from retiring and never doing it again. So it's he's really cherishing the moment and he's really grateful for this time. One last note on Jordan Burroughs. As much as we want to talk about him as a wrestler, I think that we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about him as a husband and as a father. And you've watched that evolution. When you met him, he was a high schooler just looking to find a way into a college wrestling program. Now he's married. Three kids, is that correct? Three children. Three children. The youngest is uh, recently born, I believe. Yeah, early January. He's a great dude. Yeah. You know, like not just a great, he's a great person. And if you follow some of his social media um, and just having inter- any interaction with him, he yeah. just has all the priorities right. Yeah, he's, uh, he's just a great, he just represents Nebraska. He represents himself, you know, Lauren, his wife, who is actually niece of Thurman Thomas, you know, former NFL Hall of Famer. Um, and... Uh, they just have a great bond. Uh, Lauren's a great, great mom to, you know, that beacon and aura. They're five and three, and then he just got a newly born uh, young young girl, Rise Ivory, and uh, she was born in early January. And so he's just creating a life for himself and uh, still wrestling, doing that thing. And he's, he's probably going to have a lot of different opportunities ahead of himself after this because – I think nationwide and worldwide, people know what type of 
character Jordan has, his integrity, um, just his heart. He's well-spoken. He's just, he's someone you want to have on your team. And I, w- I would wish Nebraska be smart enough to see to keep that guy around, but Absolutely. we'll see. He, he's helped your program just a little bit, hasn't he? Yeah, and he's just, he just helped Nebraska. He loves the – The profile? Yeah, he just loves uni- our university. He loves Lincoln, and he's just uh, – he's got a lot of pride in it, yeah. Now, one last note on Jordan. I know I said that uh, a few minutes ago, but I just, I just love talking about yeah. his success and you know, yeah. uh, letting everybody know just kind of your firsthand take of him. When he was at the last Olympics and he yeah. lost – in the earlier rounds, which yeah. many did not expect, right. Jordan didn't see that coming. Right. You know, and when he was mentally preparing for the Olympics, I thought it was so honest. So, um, man, it just took words out of my mouth. The fact that he felt like he didn't fail himself; he failed his wife mm-hmm. for all the sacrifices that she and the kids made for him to train for the Olympics. When I saw those comments, I was just taken aback. Like, yeah. Wow, what perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, you know, it just, um, you know, the mind is a powerful tool when you, when it's used favorably for you and, and in a positive manner. And he just got caught up with too many, too many media requests, too many, you know, sponsor requests, just, just a lot of social media that he, he just didn't compartmentalize mm-hmm. and know that in our sport, it comes game day. It's you when you step out there. You can't. There's a, you can't blame the quarterback. You can't, you know, blame the point guard for not throwing it in. You, you. It's mono mono on and and type of sport, and you have to be ready to go. And you know, I blame myself. You know, not having him ready. And I thought he was ready, but. But he wasn't. He wasn't all there. You know, it's it's the physical piece, right? You everyone trains physically and then mentally, but emotionally, I think is the key. That's where you that's where you get your fuel. You know, emotionally be ready to go, and he emotionally he wasn't he wasn't at his best. Hey, but twenty twenty new Olympic year, new chance right. for him. His last chance from what uh, his plans are outlined. You said Olympic trials are in April. Yeah, yeah. April 4th and 5th. And then the Olympics. Will you be there? You're going to be coaching them, right? Absolutely. You'll be right there cheering them on and helping them through uh, that whole process. Chatting with Mark Manning. A couple last minutes here, Mark. Since we have you, um, I think we've exhausted most of our uh, talking points for Nebraska wrestling. But I know you're a big fan of just Nebraska in general, some of the other sports programs. Yeah. Give us a Mark Manning hot take on the Nebraska football program. We know you've you've always had good relationships with the coaches yeah. uh, on that staff and uh, through some of the, the changes coaching-wise. You, the one thing that hasn't changed is your friendship with the head coach and the guys on staff. Yeah, I know a lot of those guys and and Scott. And uh, I, I got to know Scott early when I was here at Nebraska. And I remember when he was – you know, just young guy getting ready to go into the coaching profession. And he asked me about, you know, coaching at Northern Iowa. I remember when he was offered a job there and, and we just chatted a lot and kept up a couple of times when he come back home mm-hmm. from Oregon. So, you know, what a, just Scott's a great guy, great dude. He's just, he, he understands what it takes to, to win here and be successful. And, uh, you know, it's not a, not an easy job, as we know. Right. It's, and it's not easy these days to turn around a program just 
you know, uh, flip of the hat. You know, it's to do something special, you want it to be sustainable. And that's how I look at it. And you, you can turn something around and have one good year, but it's not sustainable. And right. I think Scott's in for the long run. You know, uh, uh, I know a number of his staff and talked to him, Greg Austin, Ryan Helg, Eric Shinlander. They're awesome people. Uh, Mike Dawson, I remember, you know, when he was first here and then just on, you know, a month ago. And, and uh, you know, he's got great people like Ron Brown who really does probably a lot behind-the-scenes work and with our guys and helping them develop and as complete people. And uh, I just think uh, it's just a matter of time. They're going to they're gonna be great. I see the transformation in the training room, uh, how they uh, – or the training table, how – their bodies look, and it's just uh, a testament of their work ethic and Zach DeBall, what they do, and just a matter of time. Do we need Scott to get you in a helmet and shoulder pads <laughs> like you've done before and try to go one-on-one with one of his players? Uh, I don't think so. Who was it? No. Was that Brandon Rigoni? Brandon Rigoni, yeah. How'd that uh, turn out, Mark? Oh, oh man. Were you sore the next day? Uh, that week, I mean? Not, not, not too bad. Not too You're bad. in pretty good shape. I, yeah. Brand, I saw Brandon about a couple months ago. He weighs about 150 pounds. I was like, wow, Brandon. <laughs> and, uh, but he's a, he's a great, good, great dude. And he's fun thing. Do they have to twist your arm to do that? Yeah, dang. Coach Osborne, yeah. you know, that guy, man, he, he, uh, he put me up to that. So <laughs> You can't say no to Coach Osborne. No, no, I couldn't say no to him. So, uh. He, he was uh, he was the brain trust behind that. It's good to know. Now you share your workout facility, Mark. For those that don't know, your your office is right next to where Amy Williams and the women's basketball team is. Mm-hmm. Just right around the corner is Fred Hoiberg and the yeah. men's basketball offices. Yeah. Uh, you go down and around in the stairs, and then John Cook's over there. Gary Pepin is there. I yeah. mean, like th- this is coaching greatness all in the same building. Think of the names that I – Fred Hoiberg, Mark Manning, Gary Pepin, John Cook, Amy Williams. Like, that's an esteemed group of coaches. Give me a story or two of just crossing paths with, with one of those. Oh, well, Did I Fred, – Does Fred I, talk I, about anything besides basketball? Yeah, he does. He loves wrestling. And, does he? Uh, he came to Final Exes. Oh, yeah, and he's he's uh, peeked in on some of our matches. And, yeah, he, he texts me quite a bit about, you know – what we're doing and how our results going, but yeah, and he he comes down, he runs on their treadmill some, and I see Doc awful lot and Matt and all those guys. Yeah. They're they're super. They're they're really great, and that's what's fun about coaching at a place like Nebraska. You really get to know people. You know, Gary Pepin, I see him a lot at at the training table, and and uh, not as much Amy I, once in a while, but not as much. But um, well, Amy's just always on the go. Yeah, she's, you know, she's got two girls that are involved in about everything under the moon. So I feel like if she's not coaching, she's you know got her mom hat on and she's running around. That's right. She's taking care of Lloyd too, right? Yeah, that, yeah. You can't leave out yeah. husband Lloyd as well. But uh, it's it's great. There's a lot of good people at Nebraska, and that's what's fun about coaching there and uh, getting to know them and getting to, to know I don't know how they're doing their sport, but just them as people and their families, and that's what I enjoy. And John Cook's always been help, helpful for us too right one last question for you mark there was a, a football player at nebraska who then uh, was a part of your program for a little bit of time in tanner farmer and i think you know where this question is going tanner through uh, a stipulation with the naia he had exhausted his eligibility in the ncaa 
But this past fall, he was at Concordia as a graduate student helping out the, the Concordia football program. Yeah. Because he was already on campus there, then the coach approached him about, hey, well, the NAIA is a little bit differently than the NCAA. Yeah. He joins the Concordia wrestling program, and I don't know how closely you've paid attention to this, but he has just rolled through yep. NAIA wrestling. And just yep. this past weekend, he won the GPAC championship. Yep. He's going to win the national championship, right? I, th- I think so. I really do. I, I texted him there uh, a few weeks ago. I said, hey, Tanner, I think you're ranked number two or three. I said, you, just, you win it all, man. And he's like, that's the plan, coach. He's, he's been great. And, uh, you know, I saw him this fall when he told me that I think I'm going to go out for wrestling. I'm like, do it, Tanner. You can do it. He, he trained three, probably three of the years he was here in the off season. He'd come up and work out with us and, and just get in shape and really helped him with his hand fighting skills mm-hmm. and his, his motion and his flexibility. And, uh, he loved being around us. And so I'm not surprised that he did it. And, uh, I'm not surprised he's having success. He's he's a he's a really hard worker, very strong and physical, and you can just tell he's gaining confidence. I haven't watched him that much, but he's just gaining confidence. You know, I think he was what 22 or 24 and 0. Right. Yeah, I think so. it's 24 and 0 is where it yeah. stands right now. Yeah. But you know, like if he's able to compete at the Division One level, like and, and hold his own there. When you watch him on a mat with NA, no disrespect to NAIA wrestling, because yeah. it does serve a great purpose, and there yeah. are some good, talented wrestlers in the NAIA. But Tanner Farmer, he stands out. Yeah, he's you know a, what I mean. He's a man child. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is a guy that was training to play in the NFL, but it yeah. didn't quite work out that way. So he's getting one last hurrah. Yeah, it's really neat. It's great for Tanner, and and uh, I know a lot of our guys on our team have kept up with them, and they're 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 excited for him. That's awesome. Well, Mark, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the In Report podcast. Best of luck to you. Uh, but before, and also congratulations on just a great year for providing the fans and the community uh, that follows wrestling such an exciting regular season. And we wish you nothing but the best at the Big Ten Championships here in a few weeks. And then go get them at Nationals. Yeah, thanks a lot, Kevin. Appreciate it. All right, that's Mark Manning. That's the In Report podcast. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the End Report Podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app. This is an alert from your Stay up to date during severe weather season with push notifications from the 1011 Now weather app. Download the 1011 Now weather app for free today.